BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. We are on the downhill slide of another work week and another exciting week in politics where there's always something to be talked about. So here are a few things we want to talk about. Senator Mike Lee on Twitter told Beto, I always want to call him Beto, Beto to take it back. We'll talk about what he wants him to take back. Uh, the tampon tax, which I know Greg has been dying mm-hmm. to talk about all week long. Yeah. Uh, the LDS Church sending out a surprise statement this week opposing proposed conversion therapy ban. Uh, we've got a new ad coming to the state of Utah. It says that Mitt Romney's a secret operative for the Democrats. <laughs> we'll discuss whether he is or not. And Elizabeth Warren tried to trap Facebook with a fake ad, but it's sort of confusing. we got to talk about this whether she really trapped them or if she's part of the problem. Anyhow, we have a few things to discuss. Let's start with uh, the Beto and take it back. So uh, Senator Mike Lee wasn't the only one who took uh, issue with what Beto said, but in a town hall style meeting, I think on CNN, Beto said there that all churches should lose tax exempt status if they oppose same sex marriage. Is that okay when we talk about freedom of religion in our country with the way the world's changing. Obviously, we have gay marriage now. I think LGBTQ issues are more open, front and center. But does that mean you can tell a religion what to how do? to feel? I would hope not. I would hope. I mean, we talk about the Tea Party a lot in terms of the kind of the pivotal moment in our American in American history. I think Plymouth Rock is more appropriate. I think the the the, the right to express your religious beliefs and to have that freedom of religion uh, is more to the core of what this country uh, is about, why it was founded. And I think that if we start having uh, consequences that the government wants to create for uh, belief or doctrine that does not comport with uh, the, the government's uh, uh, you know, belief at that time, that's a scary place to be. I think freedom of religion is something we've got to keep our eye on and not take for granted. And when you hear messages like this, I think people of faith and people that aren't of faith should hear that and, and at least... I'll push back a little so bit. I'll push back a lot, but I think everybody listen, should push back on that. Could you listen to Beto, though, and say, okay, they can remain a, a religion, any religion could keep their right, let's say the LDS Church here mm-hmm. in Utah, could they keep the right to feel that way, believe that way, but lose their tax-exempt status? Would that hurt the Constitution? I, I think the whole reason that you're where you don't see a tax, uh, you see it be, a ta- be taxable, is I don't think you want to create uh, barriers to faith or congregating or places of worship uh, the taxes, what you would charge, a government would charge or have at, by way of taxes, I think they've tried to just keep themselves out of that realm. I think you're in that realm. If you start taxing the property of religions, um, who's to say that a religion that wants to have a building and, and meet and be faithful can afford that? What what would you do in government in terms of raising the taxes on that category of, of property that would be taxed? 
you get down that road, I see I see your look. I, I feel do. your look. I and I'm telling you, you, once you get do. down that okay, road, so for, you have a lever in government to influence religion. And you got to be careful about Are you that. On By team? not subsidizing religion? Oh, you know it's how government does that lever where they don't subsidize something. That's not a thing, Greg. So what I would say is a couple things. I think freedom of religion is intrinsic to America, and it needs to be honored. And I think Beto was purposely making a wide swath and maybe bringing up this conversation. But you made a really important distinction. When you listen to Republicans speak, as Greg did very successfully, he was sort of saying, yeah, you know, when this happens, it's an attack on religion. It's not. What, what a religion would lose would be a tax subsidy, a tax exemption. So I, I think I think a religion can and should and would survive without a tax subsidy. And I, I'm 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 honoring both points. Mm -hmm. I do think it's fair for a religion to say, hey, listen, this is particularly on ordinance and constructs within their religion. I think when it comes to healthcare, it's really a hard discussion for Americans when when it moves into clinics and other and other sort of ancillary to uh, religion. But mm -hmm. when we are talking about religious ordinances. For sure. I, I think that's their purview. I think you're there because of your like-mindedness, and I get that. But to not separate that discussion from whether we should exempt you um, and, and maybe even look a little harder at how we define exemptions, I think is a fair discussion to have in America right now. Uh, one part, and I know we have a lot of topics here, um, it is a lever in that if you're not taxed and you would feel the pressure or the cost of, an, of a new tax, it would feel certainly like a, a stick that government does not approve of, of what you're doing or, or what you're teaching. So I think we have to be real about that. Second, if, if we decided as a country that for these reasons we did not want to see places of worship, uh, if we want to take away that tax-exempt status, are there other organizations that enjoy tax-exempt status that we will look at what they are not teaching, failing to teach, failing to advocate for, that government feels should be the case. No, you're, you're asserting you that, that as road, an implication it's, it's instead of a freedom. So, yeah. so the exemption is actually the oversight. Taking the exemption away leaves them not with oversight, Greg. Then in that instance, that organization, just like any business, can do and see what they want. And the difference between the C3 section, which is where we see our charities live, and the exemptions in the C process for, for uh, religions is that the religions are a wide swath. Charitable institutions are routinely audited to whether they are living up to their tax-exempt status. So it would just regulate you in the exempt status. I mean, that's a little too wonky. Yeah, it's a little no, too boring. Would, yeah, again, right? I mean, a whole podcast that's too boring. Yeah. But switches. I'm just saying yeah. it's a fair it's a fair assessment that religious freedom cannot be the trump card for any time anyone's saying something that you don't agree with. Peyote was part of that discussion a while ago, um, and the ability to the ability to exercise your faith within of sure. the our Native Americans. Faith and religion and the role that peyote played, I think that's been honored. I don't and look, think that's we just a, passed the marijuana so law. So see. here we go. Ooh, I mean, we're going right, to be right up to that front door again, I guess, if we're going to start looking at religions and what they can and can't. Uh, one thing, sure. Yeah, it's true. Uh, and one thing I'll say for Beto uh, this week is that uh, Senator Lee gave him a chance to call it a mulligan and to pull it back. He obviously didn't pull it back, and he's also uh, pushed forth wanting to take guns from people's homes and said some things that are pretty um, far out there for a lot of he people, is, yeah. and he's going for it, so... Yes. I saw an NRA there ad, for, uh, and they used Beto in his quote uh, to raise money. I think Beto's been very successful at helping the NRA raise more money with some of the more strident things he's saying. They need help right now. There we have it. Good for them. So. Good for them. <laughs> okay, so um, I want to talk a little bit about the Utah legislature right now. They... Um, have been talking about things and what their focuses are going to be coming up in the new year in January. 
And one thing we did a story bit about this week, Jim Spiewak was looking at this. I know a lot of families are having a hard time finding daycare for their children. Basically, the second that conception happens, you've got to get your kid on a waiting list for preschools and daycare and whatnot. We just don't have enough in the state. Some people are calling it a desert for daycare. Mara, is there anything that the state can do to help this along? Why do we not have enough? Have we just had too many stay-at-home moms for years and we're not used to having daycares? Do we need to We have layers out? of challenges yeah. in Utah when it comes to providing affordable, uh, accessible care. And part of it goes to our strong structure in which there's a lot of informal family care yeah. here. We have a lot of extended families and we haven't traditionally looked at these models. So daycare, uh, one of the things that's important, the legislature, the legislator who's presenting this, you know, she's a family physician. She She's done her homework. This is a critical, critical bill. What I love about some of the things she's done is she's done a four-year test model that says, let's try this program where we offer incentives uh, to businesses to help with care. What we know about women entering the workforce, getting paid equally, which Greg's not for, but we sure. are. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the issue... We got fake news on here now. Who this news, will also it. help are part-time families, part-time women who are re-entering. And it is, it, we've all had this moment where you're leaving what you care most about in the care of someone else. We do not have enough qualified daycare. And the number one reason is the, the, uh, the low profit margin. So if you can talk to workforces and you can incentivize, just like we incentivize health of the family, just like we incentivize some schools, I think if we can handle daycare, this is probably one of the most critical things we'll face in this legislative session. What what I will predict, though, is it will not give the, get the airtime it deserves. So it'll be interesting to see if it happens. And I haven't had to live with this issue most of my life, so I don't understand the stresses that some, some families go through because we decided as a family that my husband was going to stay at home and he's been at home with our kids but that came after a few months of me working I was making I think seven dollars an hour anchoring in Missoula Montana it's amazing pay and I think I was paying my babysitter who was watching my daughter a few hours a day two dollars an hour and I remember writing out that check and just feeling terrible that I was paying someone that little to take care of my daughter and I think they would send her home with more new cute clothes than I ever paid them in money so how do we fix this is this something that the legislature can do a lot of Men who are in the legislature probably have what have been considered Utah traditional families. They've got yep. wives who stayed at home. Maybe they don't understand the need. Is this something that realistically can happen right now where you could get more businesses, let's say the Silicon Slopes coming in here, where they had in-office daycare or they were incentivized? Would that work? So I think uh, if you compare with other states, I actually think our, health care, our daycare costs are lower uh, for people that live here than places like Pennsylvania. Lower, but maybe not um, enough. Uh, well, the demand, I mean, it's, this is a free market. I mean, I, there are people that have opened daycare centers, and if there is more demand, if they are oversubscribed, I think there is a way to see that uh, through free market pressures, you'd see more daycares uh, that would come online. I, I get worried if we look to subsidize an industry in a very broad These way. These are not subsidies. I mean, she's looking at initiatives. So, those are different. So let me tell and, you what an initiative is. Investing in those are if different. If I could be Craig. king for a day, Mara, and I could, and I could go back to my legislative role, what I would say is we passed a bill a number of years ago uh, looking at, at enhancing our daycare infrastructure right now and providing grants for those that would provide quality preschool. Why? Because okay. children that are three and four years old that don't recognize okay. their colors, their shapes, their letters, they go into our public schools. Uh, if they are not ready, they could find themselves uh, needing an individual education plan or uh, uh, special education uh, resources or dollars. If we can avoid that cost later in our public schools by, by providing these grants for our daycares now and enhancing a quality preschool in the daycare center, I would rather see us as, uh, le rather see the legislature look at 
ideas and things like that or enhancing what we pass by way of those grants, uh, doing it that way. I'd also look at this. My sister, uh, she was a single mother and still is, and she had a, a young young boy and she had, uh, she had assistance for daycare so that she could work full time. She received a raise, a small raise in her job, and the amount that, that she received by way of a raise uh, was put her over a threshold that took that daycare assistance away. But the amount that she lost by way of that daycare assistance was much, much larger in dollar amount than the raise that she yep, had received. Right. She went to the HR department, said, you can't, right. please don't give me that raise because if it does, I won't be able to afford uh, to be able to have my child go Which to daycare. Which is crazy to think yeah. you have to have that conversation. And, and so yeah. she, I was an early lawmaker. I was in my early, I had just uh, become a lawmaker back when this had happened and I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I looked into it and we in fact have these cliffs mm-hmm. where the, the, the help that we've tried to provide by way of a safety net becomes a barrier. She had, and it was too large of a company to rescind that small raise. She had to quit. She had to quit. And but so you've just identified help me why find we those have ways, these, Mara, that, and, and find those ways of overcoming Harrison the cliffs. Because of that's the, a little where those cliffs are, yeah, and those and that, deserts are. If we're being surgical that way, then I then I think those are smart ways to address problems that are unintended consequences because those are real. I would I would be very careful though that we that we not go too broad on the concept of daycare or how people can access that. Yeah. Yep. I don't want to do it um, in a way that. Uh, will interfere with that market pressure, but those things like quality preschool, getting rid of those cliffs that that really deter people from finding full-time employment, those are things that are smart that we should do. Yeah, I think there's a lot of questions. We could do a whole show on it, too, but I always wonder, too, I know we don't have full-day kindergarten here in Utah because we have so many students and the cost of it, but there's also VPK that's paid by federal dollars in other states. Why doesn't Utah have that? That would probably help in that burden. So I think there's a lot of questions and answers that could be asked along the way to figuring that out that other states are doing and figuring out but that Greg we have But Greg is right in that I'm going to say not even three years old and up, but sort of birth to third grade. Yeah. Uh, this is the time to double down on our investment with these mm-hmm. children because that investment pays off over and over again. The learning curve is steep then, so it's a, it is It's a crossroads. If, if children are not reading, if students are not reading at grade level by third grade, the statistics, there's always exceptions to that, but the statistics say that those students will need an individual education plan or special education resources throughout their time in public schools. That third grade, if they are at grade level and they're reading by that, then they use reading to learn. Uh, the curriculum and they're able to continue to progress so that is such a critical time that is a window where future cost avoidance and the more importantly the trajectory of children uh, is at its greatest uh, potential if we can get uh, the, the students ready and be at grade level by third grade so it's a race all right we're gonna keep talking about this but this is gonna be an interesting transition wait for this so girls go to school but in some countries they don't go to school because when they're having their periods they have to stay at home because they just don't have the sanitary care needed there is something that we're talking about it possibly coming up with a legislative session. I know that it was maybe 2016 that it was struck down. We're talking about a tampon tax. Nobody wants to talk about tampons. Can you say I tampon don't. out loud real no, quick I, just so we know you, you can know, say I'm it. an old folk. I think this is where I feel my age or maybe I'm even, I act older than I even am You right know now. where babies come from. It's no, totally so uncomfortable. Weird. Let's I don't just start with an easy question. Yes. How much does a box of tampons cost? Ooh, this will be I, fun. I Have you ever I gone on a run? Great cues. I don't. I really should have looked. I, sh- I knew this was How coming much? too. I should have done my research. I <laughs> they did can be more if you look. Go for the I did a research by doing one thing. I asked my sweet wife, who I love, uh, married 25 years. I asked her, uh, should I be supporting this? As she gave me a firm yes. So there I am. There you go. There I am. No questions there asked. You go. And by the way, to the men that might be listening to this podcast <laughs> or watching it, 
Do not do what I did after that question last night and then try to imagine what necessities men might have. That is a road to nowhere. That is going to get you in trouble. I like, there what do you really no need equivalent. like you need? I'm, tell, I'm told, and I'm told in the most uh, blunt ways, that there is no equivalent, and don't, do not even go there. So there is my warning to my uh, well done. And it's not a, my well friends done. out there. That was a solid argument. Thank you to your wife. <laughs> so this is obviously something that people are like, well, why does it matter? There's so many things we have to buy. But it can be $7, $8, $9 a box. I guess it depends on what count you're getting. Right. It's not cheap. You go through them quickly. What if you have a few daughters? And it's not something you have a choice. We've identified necessities before, and we've exempted them from taxes, in which we have have, we and and I think what you said is important. It's not a choice. It's not it's not boutique. It's it's not a preference that people have. The other thing is you can't underestimate the economics that that people are living in the margins. And when I say people living in the margins, I'm talking about hardworking people who are not being paid a living wage yet. And so there's a big swath of America for whom it's eight bucks a, a, a package. That's not nothing. So and this is bucks. predictably yeah. every yeah. It's predictably every, it happens in their monthly budget. It happens consistently. Um, there's a lot of stigma attached to young women who are having mm -hmm. uh, dilemmas in this area. There's actually a lot of there there. And the exemption is what, what Greg wants. It's specific, it's uh, directed, and it's limited. And so why would someone not exempt that unless they were completely oblivious to anyone sort of but their own world? I, I do have a question, and it's not to be implied as any opposition whatsoever, because I have none. Okay. I, I think we could have moved on from this topic as <laughs> soon as done. we all agreed. We could have moved on. Listen, just, this is a good reminder to stock up for your food stores, the, chocolate the, chips I, and tampons. This is just right. a genuine question <laughs> okay. of which I do not want to be criticized for not being supportive of, because I am. Does the sales tax, is it is it truly prohibitive or is it symbolic in terms of removing the tax? I guess it could it depends be. on your budget, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I think we would have to own that it's probably symbolic. I'm, I'm not going to, I, I, exactly I won't tell you that. food is an accumulative effect in terms of buying food. Okay, I'm going to give you I, one I'm not, I'm not questioning it, but I mean, I'm just saying, is it symbolic or is it happens every month. This is an expense. This is not without nothing. And if you're on that tight of a budget, if you're looking and needing to, the $10 matters, the $15 matters, the $20 matters. Conservatives argue this all the time. The dollar matters. Every mm -hmm. increment matters. Okay. And so so it's not insignificant to those on a budget. Just asking. Yeah. Don't have any. I'm not being judgy. Just asking. And I think most people, it's just an aggravation. You've got to buy them. The tax is there. But for people, many people, it's an issue. And every 25, 50 cents matters. I miss the days when the extra 25 or 50 cents you could put in the you gas tank. Yeah. You go to someplace awesome mm. with your friends. That doesn't happen anymore. All right. Another big thing. This uh, came out two days ago now. Um, the LDS Church released a statement. I was a little surprised in why the timing, why it was released, but the, they released a statement opposing the proposed conversion therapy ban. We have Doppel looking at this. The governor handed it away from the legislature. They were unable to make a decision of whether or not this should be banned, and he said this should not be a political issue. Gave it to the state licensing board, and the LDS Church has now said, we really want our members, I, don't, I meant to take the statement up here, but we really want them to be able to make these choices inside their families. They did say we want people to be loving and kind and understanding to people, but they're not supporting a ban of conversion therapy. Tell me where you stand on this. Yeah. Uh, do you understand where they're coming from? Do you support where they're coming from? So I haven't had any direct uh, discussions, but the, the, the way this sentiment was, was uh, realized is in the public uh, comment portion of when they're considering an administrative rule change, there's a time where the public can weigh in and provide comment. So it's like an amicus brief. So, yeah, so, it, so you have so many days. I think it came on the last day of the time.
time where public comment could be received in terms of for or against the proposed rule change. Uh, what I've heard is that uh, th it's not the concept of conversion therapy that there's an opposition to. It's uh, and this is technical, and I'm you know this is just what I understand. The idea that there's a pathology to same-sex attraction is being rejected by everyone. No one's saying that that's the case. But the way the rule is being written is that they're pointing to a pathology that would be banned. And I think it's more in the way this rule is being worded and what it would assume versus the idea that conversion therapy is not uh, something they want to embrace. I, so I think it's technical in its nature. but So I don't think they're against it. Holy, I think the way the rule has been written is where the objection came from. But couldn't we agree, even if you were parenting your children, that you could leave children as they are? Because no one wants, when you listen to religious circles saying, you know, we shouldn't be looking at um, letting kids decide to have surgeries where they change from one sex to another, they're not old enough to make these things up in their mind. Can we not just leave kids alone? And then when you turn 18, yeah, I, say, hey, I want conversion therapy. This is what I want for myself. My, my understanding is that the opposition was not uh, in you know, in opposition to what you just mm -hmm. shared. I think it was more that the way that rule was written, they thought it was, uh, wasn't was as artful mm -hmm. as it should be, and they could be construed into other areas or taken uh, more broadly or out of context. And so I think that was the, the worry that they had, and they wanted to kind of firm that up. But, you know, that's... Uh, you know, I'm a parent, so I look at all that, and I just... I You know, I would just think that we would all naturally, as parents, not want to put our children through... Uh, traumatic or horrific experiences, and I think we'd all want to work with uh, the counselors. I'm told that you'd be hard pressed to find people that would uh, that would be even embracing this kind of counseling now, this conversion therapy. And so, I, I, look, I didn't think that I, from what I read in the commentary, is there the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is not opposed to this uh, a ban of conversion therapy per se. It was how the rule was written that. Was, there was a worry that it would have a broader implication that they did not want to have happen. Is that a worry? I know this week um, both of our Salt Lake City mayoral candidates and I think the full Utah Democratic Party came out against this and said, we need a ban on conversion therapy. Would you agree with them? Or is this have far-reaching aspects that we're not thinking about like the LDS Church is saying? This is different. It's easy to uh, not support this, and anyone should not support conversion therapy. So what I would say is I, I was disappointed that uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints put out a statement like that. You're right. It was appropriate within the context. But um, this has been a, a, a constant and consistent and, and it is a meaningful topic for the LDS Church, and they've been addressing it. Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, due their influence, they also owed some context and a person associated. I, I am going to criticize the technique a little that once again, they're just putting into the space sort of this directive, and we're trying to take it apart. So one, I, I sort of am critical from a technical point of view, a professional point of view. That's not how I would have done it. Conversion therapy has been debunked by every single uh, serious-minded uh, association. The AAPA debunked it in the 80s. It's routinely been criticized. And uh, it's a flat earth strategy. And there, it, Greg's right. There is not a humane thinking person who thinks it's a technique to be used yeah. in um, in any, it, it's akin to a lobotomy. Like we don't use these techniques anymore. We know they don't work. Uh, the harm in not just categorically saying conversion therapy is not a sanctioned way to talk about any issue, is that conversion therapy at its heart requires you to think 
a certain way about gay and lesbian people. Yeah. It requires you to think that there's a mental disorder, and no one thinks that, mm -hmm. and, and, and the science doesn't say that. So there has to be foundation. I agree that how the law is written, but one must say no to conversion therapy, and the reason that it's so important that we do that is that this is not without consequences. Yeah. This is not a philosophical, do you like a Freudian point of view? Did you feel like that hour was worth your time? It's not philosophical. It's not about how you spend your money and how you get your mental health. The reason that we must objectively get rid of um, conversion therapy, which any credible therapist will not yeah. be using anyway, is because there are consequences. Unduly and disproportionately, this population, um, the LGBTQ youth, are hit with suicide. We all care about mm -hmm. it. We all know about it. And when you enter, maybe for good reasons for your parent, yeah. but just like we have taken throughout the years of psychiatry, women, let's, let's go back to women. Women in the 60s were hysterical and put in. We've really gone a long way in America with our mental health policy Absolutely. since the 60s. This is another plateau in which we must say no to mental health that affects people's lives. A mistake in this area leads to depression and perhaps suicide in youth who are not equipped. It is not acceptable to go into conversion therapy. And I would expect that religious institutions could draw that distinction, that they could at one hand draw the distinction of needing to craft legislation that they felt comfortable still allowed them freedoms within their own religious rights. But no one is going to stand on the ground. The conversion therapy is the heart of the LDS's church's views of LGBT youth. And so yeah. conversion therapy yeah. is absolutely I, unacceptable. Look, and I didn't think they did a good job yeah. relaying it this I, week. It might be a, yeah. a problem in communication, but I don't think we're talking about different things. I, I think if there is a, if there's a, a criticism, it's maybe they're pointing at a logical yeah. extreme. And we're saying that logical extreme is not, uh, is, is not a valid concern. But we're smart. It's 2019. I think we can get the language right where the where what we want to see happen here and how we want to protect people can be accomplished. The and so I, I just don't see it as big. Right. I know that it's it's because maybe the context wasn't shared as as thoroughly, and I think that communication needs to be stronger on all fronts. I think if there's a concern about how it's being described as a pathology where they don't think it is, or however that's wherever that concern is, let's just get the wording right and make sure we're not saying something we don't mean to say and. I think yeah. we'd all be good. I, I think, think I, I think we're in harmony there. And I think the statement could have been much more clear by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints as well because you're left wondering what's wrong with it because when you look at the church's own guidelines, years ago it changed where they said you're born this way. It's not something, it's who you are right. and how you're born with. And so it's confusing when they come out with these statements wanting to say that the conversion therapy ban is not okay because if you're born that way, you're born that way. But I understand that they want to keep parental rights as well. So it is definitely a tough issue. We're going to stay on top of this. Anyone know when the decision's coming out? I know that, I don't know if they've given a date. I don't, I don't think they've given a yeah, date. Yeah, so we'll watch this one closely. Uh, if you've been online at all, you've probably seen the new ad. <laughs> it's supposed to hit airwaves on TV, <laughs> but it's been going viral already. There's a new ad um, set to air here in Utah, uh, paid for by a big national pack that I think that even President Trump maybe in the last election cycle, was saying stop running their ads. But it calls Mitt Romney a secret Democratic asset. You'll know the ad when you see it. It's super cheesy and some cool, like, spy sunglasses come down on top of him. Right. Is he a secret spy for the Democrats? Double, double, a double agent? Secret. Yes, mm -hmm. it's been in the works since his teenage years. And it's just coming to fruition now. I, I love this. And anyone who believes this, I, I just, you know, I... I 
this is special interest at its best. <laughs> and I love this notion that if possibly you don't support Trump and agree with Trump, therefore you must be a Democrat. I say to conservatives of the world, rise up and own your party again. Don't let Trump call the Democrats. You also know <laughs> you also know that army. this special interest group opposed Trump in the last election and now and now since he's a the yeah. chief bullier and threatener of our of our nation state that he's being threatened That's by this. Extreme. There is no version of the world where Mitt Romney is being a shill. And this is all predicated on the fact that he thinks that Trump is an idiot. And I think that's a fair assessment, right? So I, I'm no. saying, you know. I think Greg will disagree with you on that. <laughs> but can you not have opposition in the Republican Party where someone says, I don't agree with someone without him being a no, Democrat? But, but, Maybe he is a Democrat. Yeah. I don't know. So <laughs> I think this is what I love about the United States of America. I love the battle of ideas. I love that people can be strident in those expressions. I. What I sometimes uh, am frustrated with is that uh, we have a, a narrative, I would even argue a media narrative, that can instantly roll its eyes at some of the extreme uh, commentary or, or sentiment being expressed by one side. But the most strident uh, commentary from the other side is seen as serious or not funny. And I think that I just love it to be a two-way street. I'd love us to see both sides can be extreme, both sides can be strident. Uh, I think that America is great when it's coming together, it's finding solutions, it's people of different parties working together. Uh, I don't see that being uh, emphasized or encouraged. I think we like to, to make hay over the most extreme comments we hear. And I even think that uh, some some comments are given more criticism than maybe the extreme comments on the other side. But you don't think this side. ad is serious-minded, do you? I, I don't think. I honestly, if the, if the I haven't watched the ad, but if it's saying that he's a secret Democrat, I don't. I do not accept that. I think that people of both the Republican and Democrat Party can have different uh, beliefs, or they can be on the spectrum of that party's uh, policies. Look, in Pennsylvania, we had. Uh, Bob Casey, not Junior, who's the senator right now, but his father. He was adamantly pro-life. There were a lot of Democrats that were furious right. that Governor Bob Casey, the Democrat, was pro-life. And to the point where there was efforts there was no room in for the Democrats yeah. that wanted to oust him from office and did not accept him as a Democrat because of his pro-life stance. You know what? He was a Democrat. Zell Miller, that was in, I think it was Georgia, he was a, he was a, a Democrat, but he had some more conservative beliefs as a Democrat. And that was okay up until like just recently, I swear. So I just it think we got to be, be okay to, to have different ideas. I know. And I've, I'm pretty sure that Senator Mitt Romney was very open about his feelings about President Trump from the day he ran till now. I don't know, think it's changed. So I will say we we should encourage our friends and neighbors to not respond to ads like this because ads like this get on because they show an effectiveness in changing the political dialogue. And so I think if America wants ad like ads like this to stop, then they need to reject it. They need to not take action but in look, the way. I think a sentiment that says that, that tr Donald Trump is a secret plant and an agent for Putin, I think that's as ludicrous as this one about Mitt Senator Romney. And see, and so I, I think that you're not a secret agent for Putin if you're the president, and that that should be the eye roll should happen just as strongly as when we hear the the comments about Senator Romney. All right, let's talk about Democrats for a second. They had a debate. I think it's the biggest one in history with 12 on stage. So instead of having two nights, we finally had them all together. I feel like it was the Elizabeth Warren show. She's now ahead in the polls. Did both of you watch? Either of you watch? I, you know, I was I had I was so You'd good at the beginning. I was out. just watching. 
in the beginning when they're having these big debates, and I can't, I can't do it anymore. I can't. I'm not going to lie; it's postseason baseball. It's a really, it's a hard time, <laughs> and it's <for> three <laughs> hours. It's like seriously, hours. and I could sort of watch the wrap ups, but I did watch many of the wrap ups. Yeah, uh, did you feel like you got anything great out of this one? Or? She's on a roll. No, I mean, I, you know, I, I. I the dialogue's good. I, I think the dialogue is terrific, but I do think Elizabeth Warren is on a roll right now. Uh, I still question her sustainability, you know, so it's yeah. always hard. It's hard to see that uh, the party politic, we've talked about this before, eliminate so many good candidates because they can't work the system. Elizabeth Warren's working the system really well right now. She is working the system well. And I want to yeah. talk about a little bit of her working to the system. This one made me want to jab my eyes out with a pencil, and I don't want to do that often. But she posted an ad to Facebook to prove that Facebook posts fake news. So she wrote this whole thing up being like fake news. And uh, her fake ad was saying uh, that Mark Zuckerberg was backing Elizabeth Warren. Was that what it was? That's right. Anyhow, so she's there, she posts this big fake news saying that Zuckerberg was backing her. And then she goes on to say that, this is all just a joke and she wanted to make sure it gets posted. But then she goes after Facebook saying you posted a fake ad. See, this proves you guys are jerk faces and you do post fake news. And yet, did she want them to deny it? Because she did say in that post that it wasn't real. So this was a mess, right? This was, was it a good idea? No, I this was like, antics. Why? I mean, I think it decreased. There's, she wasn't serious. Uh, it was just it was political antics and it's nothing that I'm interested in. I think it should be criticized. There's a tr there's actually a trend here with Elizabeth Warren that I don't hear people talking about as much. There's a story that she talks about on the campaign trail about uh, being fired uh, because she became pregnant as an educator, and they've gotten so these stories while they're being repeated over and over, they're actually being researched now. They want to find the principal that had callously uh, fired her, as she does, has described over and over. Uh, come to find out, there was a contract offered. She did not take it. They found. Uh, I'll take her film or, or old news clips of her describing that scenario where she decided she was not ready to be a, a teacher and go back to school in a very different way than she's been describing it now. Uh, you know, she's a, a Native American, and then we find out that it's a it's a sliver of a percent if it we is. Have at a all. Great my my issue is that. is that when accuracy you have this Facebook, this aspect. Well, you're trying to find out. I, I think you've told me that we can't find speech. equivalence. We shouldn't. We shouldn't be doing that. Trying to find equivalence <laughs> of things. That's what you've been hammering me about. So I'm going to say, she said she has stories and she has things. And this Facebook, you know, stunt is another one of these things where fast and loose with the truth or the story she's telling as they're looking into these. Um, they're not. There was when the Me Too effort. She talked about somebody that came at her in, in, in a very aggressive way. And as they've looked into that story, there's a, certainly a different context to that that can be found. I, I don't know. I just think that that's. Does, I don't. Is it getting as much attention? The as bummer some of the about others? her reality curious. TV approach to this yeah. is when it works. Right? We're talking yeah. about a lot of people are talking about yeah. it, and the underlying issue is really important. How are we getting real news? How are we getting trusted sources? Um, how are we getting balanced balanced reporting? Um, and and I think so. That's a real issue. How how do we take social media into account? And really, it's about the sources you use. Absolutely. So one of the things that came up, and I'm, I'll give a shout out to uh, enterprises like KUTV who are still balanced professional. There is a profession of journalism, and there there is an art and a technique and a science and an education level. And so what she did show us is that when you look at Facebook, if that's how you get your news, or 
whether you watch the news, it's about who you're getting your news from. Yeah. So that point is well taken from her, from yeah. that, but you know, she she used the most reality TV Absolutely. show way to do it. She's and balanced journalism no, is so important, not. and I think any news organization can get taken by a story in an interview, and the way that daily news cycles go, sometimes you don't have a chance to investigate 20, 30, 40 years back, and so sometimes it takes a while for those stories to come out, so I think that's why it's important to stay engaged, keep watching the news, keep reading the news, get uh, multiple sources. I'm starting to sound like Kermit the Frog because of my allergies. So <laughs> it is time for us to be done. I know that we've got some important meetings to go to for um, everyone here. And we're going to be talking about those next week because uh, more excitement will come from them. So Certainly. thank you, everyone, for being here and being a part of the conversation. Tell your friends about us. Subscribe. And we'll be back again next week. Have a great weekend.